is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler. Welcome to episode 69 of our Casino Combat Podcast, everyone. As always, I'm your host, TRG, recording live in the luxurious Casino Combat Studios in Parts Unknown. Am I more than you bargained for yet? I've been dying to tell you everything you want to hear because that's just who I am this week. <laughs> okay. A loaded God complex is perhaps a fair accusation, I suppose, but I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear unless what you want to hear is a podcast focused on excellence of execution in all aspects of casino gambling. If that's what you want to hear, you've come to the right place. That is exactly what our podcast is all about. I always chuckle at the scene in the movie Date Night when Claire Foster, played by Tina Fey, tells her husband she's exhausted, but they can do the air quotes quick version if he wants to. We have not done the quick version in a few episodes, so let's do that now, and then we will dig into a very busy episode of Casino Combat. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary persons, Alvin, Theodore, and Simon, do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know your local problem gambling hotline number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been already protected, the innocent and the guilty. Minor items, unrelated outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. Great. Okay, now we can get started. Before I lay out the battle plan for you, I've got a quick item from around the Casino Combat Galaxy. If you are thinking Guardian and the Jet finally checked in, no, sorry, that's not it. No word from them yet. However, I was just reading an article, very interesting article, on the GGB News website that I think is useful information for all of us. I think it reinforces some Casino Combat ideas and techniques. GGB News is a website that our squad mate and Inner Circle member, East Coast Emissary, pointed out to me at the beginning of the summer. Side note, if you're not up to speed on the Inner Circle and how to win your way in, I still have a couple spots left and the information on how to join is in episode 22. Anyway, back on topic. GGB stands for Global Gaming Business. It's a website and newsletter for people who work in the casino industry. It's not for gamblers. It's for people who try to maximize the house's profit from gamblers and gambling. For me, it's a look at how the house sees the casino. The article I was reading was suggesting that when someone is laying out a casino floor, consideration should be given to grouping slot machines with similar features. The article contends that arranging machines in this way increases the house's profit from these machines by a statistically significant, uh, statistically significant, easy enough for me to say, percentage, a a statistically significant percentage. That means they're going to win more grouping the machines that way and more in a way that mathematically indicates there's value in doing it this way. Anyway, the article's free at ggbnews.com, and it it includes an interesting graph and statistical analysis. So you may want to read it for yourself in its entirety, but I just wanted to paraphrase a few sentences for you. Honestly, I'm only calling this a paraphrase because I found a couple items that I think are typos, and I've corrected them. So here goes. The relationship between grouping, similar games, and performance is particularly strongest between games that use perceived persistence. Hold and spin, cash on reels, and wheel style machines. Perceived persistent style games include themes where players are chasing a pot they think is close to popping, such as Fudai Lin Lin games, 
from Aristocrat or Coin Combo from Scientific Games. These games are highly stimulating with objects such as coins or symbols flying across the screen even after losing pulls, reminding the player that a trigger feature is just a spin away. So my first takeaway from this is the phrase, a pot they think is close to popping. Mrs. TRG and I usually have success playing a game called Fortune 88 Diamond. On that game, when a specific symbol appears in the center reel, a coin is added to a pot that gets fuller and fuller. We've always wondered if that indicate a bonus was closer to being triggered. Recently, I've started experimenting with some Wicked Wheel machines, which use a similar approach with a pile of coins and gems and jewels. This article seems to indicate that the animation is to encourage additional gambling. That is not an actual indication that a player is any closer to triggering a bonus feature. Look, maybe I'm reading it wrong, but that's how it reads to me. That the animation is uncoupled from the actual possibility of winning. The other thing I wanted to discuss as it relates to this article is that they are recommending grouping machines with similar features because their analysis indicates it keeps players playing longer. Now, I've known for years and confirmed from multiple sources that the industry strongly believes in making players happy and comfortable because happy and comfortable gamblers play longer. And if they keep us playing long enough, they will win in the long run and we will lose. The math of the house advantage says they are right in this point of view. That is why casino combat systems, processes, methods, techniques, I don't care, pick a word. Anything we recommend doing here from a gambling point of view has a positive and negative exit point built into it. Those are built in to override and overcome the human desire for one more spin to get that pot to pop. Those are built in so you don't enjoy the company you are gambling with so much that you gamble away a nice win or we rebuy and create a big loss. I remember the night I met Magnificent Mike and Magical Marcy. We were having a great time and they were surprised that I abruptly announced I was leaving the table. We were having a lot of fun. It was instinctive to keep playing because we were having fun and the drinks were good and it was a fun place to be. But I hit a positive exit, then won some additional money, then lost three hands in a row. That was my hard exit point on the positive side. Those exit points are built in to offset Things the house does to encourage you to play until you lose as much as you're willing to lose. Maybe more than you're willing to lose. At table games, the negative exit point is less than you bought in with. And not what you bought in with for exactly this reason. To reinforce the idea of not gambling away every bit of money you could lose if you decided to. My slot strategy includes similar exit points. Just recently, Mrs. TRG hit a positive exit point without triggering a bonus feature, without popping that pot on Fortune 88 Diamond, actually. She did this on a machine with a very full pot animation showing. She remarked at the time as she got up that she really wanted to get that pot to pop. Almost the same words the article used. She didn't keep spinning. She walked away with her win. That's because she trusts what we do, and using the system provides the necessary discipline to walk away. If you're new, if you think it's nuts for me to say I have a slot system, I understand. It is, mathematically, it's nuts. I, I get that. I've, I've said that from the very beginning. It doesn't always work. It works more months than it doesn't, but it doesn't always work. Off the top of my head, I'm going to say we are 12, 
and five over the past 17 months, wins versus losses. I wrote my entire slot strategy down in an ebook. It includes these positive and negative exits I'm talking about. I will send you a copy 100% free of charge and without any attempt to upsell you something. And if you want me to send it to you, what you need to do is send an email to trg at casinocombat.com. Always spelling combat with a K, of course. You just need to put the two words, slot tactics, in the subject line. And if you do that, our podcast email bot, Fred, will send an email in return with a link to download the ebook. Fred is a very well-programmed bot, thanks to some efforts by uh, my good friend T-Rex. If Fred sees the words, get wisdom in the subject line, she will send you a link to download all of our Casino Wisdoms and the episode each one was introduced in. Inner Circle member Keeper of Wisdom was kind enough to compile that list for us. Fred is also looking for the words send chart. And if she sees those, she sends you a link to download decision trees for both TRG Wagering System 1 and TRG Wagering System 2, Always Be Grinding. Again, all those materials are free of charge, just part of our goal of gamblers helping gamblers. All right, so what is the plan for episode 69? First, I was asked an interesting question by the person who cuts my hair this past week, so I thought I would share that with all of you in a questions my sons asked segment, which should be a piece of useful information, but should also be very quick. I'm going to do a core concept segment today. Concept is spelled with a K, by the way. Some things uh, happened in my gambling that highlighted to me that I often overlook an aspect of the core concepts that's so deeply built into what I do that I don't talk about it enough with all of you. That core concept and its application are built into the travel segment that I'm going to do today. I had intended to only talk really about the end of my recent Las Vegas trip and then a little bit of stuff in the week that followed, but as I was writing and preparing, I realized that thematically making this a two-week episode would really put focus on the core concept that I wanted to talk about. So we will cover two weeks in the travel segment after the core concept segment, and then finally... Finally, we will finish up in the virtual VIP lounge for some sips and a story. The story is a bit fun and a bit silly, but it also illustrates something that I've told you several episodes ago. In casinos, there are rules that always get followed, and there are rules that sometimes get followed. This is a fun rule-breaking story. All right, we have our battle plan. Now all I have to do is execute. Let's start questions my sons ask. What? What? Okay, here we go. My sons ask questions about gambling and listeners ask questions about gambling. Sometimes people I know in real life ask questions about gambling. Mrs. TRG sometimes teases and jokes that I started this podcast coming out of the pandemic so I could live a life of fortune and fame, that I even cut my hair and changed my name. (laughs) Clearly my parents didn't name me the Ramblin' Gambler, so that part is true. And I did cut my hair just as the podcast started, so that's also true. But you see... When this all started, the barber shops had been closed for four months, something like that, so I found a new stylist, her name's Chrissy, and I found her to give me a more updated look after growing my hair out incredibly long in isolation. And it seems like every time I go to get my hair cut, Mrs. TRG and I were just getting ready to leave on a gambling trip or just coming back from one of our gambling trips, and maybe that's because we're always going on gambling trips, but anyway, as a result, gambling's often a topic of conversation as I'm getting my hair cut. And Chrissy is getting ready to go to Las Vegas in a couple weeks with friends to celebrate someone's 60th birthday. And she told me that she usually just plays slots because she doesn't understand the rules of most table games or how much money she should use at a a table. 
She just wanted to know if I had any advice. So of course I did. I mean, that's kind of what I do is give advice about gambling. I know Chrissy wanted enough to know she wasn't going to listen to the boot camp playlist on our YouTube channel, which is what I would have maybe recommended in a different situation. Uh, the, the boot camp playlist on YouTube is something I'm very, very proud of. It's something that an idea that came out of doing this podcast. The boot camp playlist is content that's unique to the YouTube channel. It doesn't appear anywhere else. It's a course on the core concepts without a bunch of the stories and the jokes or the things I think are jokes. You can, you can cover each idea in about 10 or 15 minutes. You can learn the fundamentals of good gambling in less than 90 minutes. A link to our YouTube page is at the top of the CasinoCombat.com website. Have I mentioned that we spell combat with a K? I think I probably mentioned that. Anyway, both boot camp and combat are spelled with a K. We also have links on the top of our website to our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. You can find those. Check those out. We can always use subscribe, shares, likes, reviews, all that social media stuff. If you have extras of those to donate, we'd appreciate a donation. Anyway, I didn't suggest a YouTube channel because she's going to be gambling for entertainment. She's not going to be gambling for profit. She's a busy person who owns the salon. She's got a family. She's got grandchildren. She's not motivated by gambling. She's motivated to celebrate her friend's birthday. So what did I tell her? What did I recommend for a casual gambler heading to Las Vegas for a few days, wanting any quick learnable advantage I might have to offer? I explained to her briefly TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos from my slot tactics book that I mentioned a little while ago. She was interested enough that when she started taking notes, I told her she didn't need to take notes. I'd written it all down. I explained to her how she could uh, download a copy and print everything out. And she contacted Fred for a copy the next day. I then told her that I would teach her a table game that was very easy. She would understand how to play in just a few minutes. I explained to her that in Baccarat, the dealer would make all the choices for all the players at the same time, that nothing she could do would impact anyone else. The fact that she was new to the game would not matter. I told her that Baccarat is one of the most inexpensive games you can play in Las Vegas right now, with table minimums much lower than games like Blackjack, Roulette, or Craps. I didn't bother with explaining, to the, explaining the math to her. I told her to pick either bank or player and only bet that for the trip. I told her to start with the table minimum bet, and if she lost, bet twice the table minimum bet, and if she lost again, to bet four times the minimum bet, and leave the table if she lost that third bet. I told her that if her bet was more than the table minimum, and she won, to go back to the table minimum bet and start over. I explained that if she won two table minimum bets in a row, she should make a third bet with the table minimum plus $5, and then keep adding $5 every time she won. I told her to leave the table if she doubled the money she started with, and she said, well, what else? And I said, nothing else. That's it. You know how to play Baccarat well enough to have a fighting chance against the casino. You have a slot strategy my wife and tested for several years. You don't need anything else. You'll be fine. Look, it was quick. She was sweeping up. She had another appointment. And those of you who have listened for a while will recognize a very basic version of TRG Wagering System 1 in what I taught her about Baccarat. She wasn't going to get enough math, knowledge, and information to have long-term success in a few minutes as she pre prepared for her next appointment, but hopefully I helped her understand a table game well enough to try something other than slots for the first time ever, and she downloaded my ebook so she knows a more advanced approach to slot machine play. If you just found our podcast for the first time, 
and have never played table games, I still recommend a more advanced approach that I've discussed at various points before you head out to try gambling at table games. But if you're listening on the way to a casino destination, if you're listening on a place where you're gonna on your way to a place where you're gonna do some gambling, and this is all you have, you are prepared as prepared as my friend Chrissy, which is much more prepared than most casual gamblers. You're much better off. Next up, let's talk about the core concepts of casino combat. The core concepts of casino combat are the pillars on which good casino gambling is built. They can be phrased in a variety of ways. I'm sure that over time I've said these in slightly different fashions, but it all comes down to one. Learning a game or a wager with a very small house advantage. Two, learning a wagering system that includes both progressive and regressive components. Three, having a bankroll of money you can afford to lose that is large enough for the wagers you have decided to make. Four, getting a player's card for the casino or casinos where you are going to play. Five, having the discipline to win or lose a small amount of money and leave the table. Six, Trying to win the month, not the table, or the machine, or the day. And seven, if you don't win the month, make up your losses with comps and gifts. It occurred to me as I was laying out this episode that I don't talk enough about number six, trying to win the month. And I suspect that it's partially because it's built into the DNA of the podcast. I use my app to track the results on a monthly basis, just as if I was running a business. We talk through those results at the end of each month, just like you were my boss. I'll tie some of this into the next segment when we look at the end of my Vegas trip and the week that followed. But I wanted to take just a minute and talk about the application of this core concept for gamblers other than myself. I'm interacting with casinos in some fashion 30% or more of most months. Sometimes that interaction is very short. Enter casino, get free slot play, get free gift, get free lunch, exit, 40 minutes. Sometimes those interactions are longer. Entire weekends spent living in casinos, gambling, collecting free stuff, eating meals, etc. For me, for what I do, looking at the results on a monthly basis makes good sense. There are some weeks where I don't do much meaningful gambling until the weekend. One of the things I use the core concepts and the casino wisdoms to do is to keep as many emotions out of my gambling as possible. I don't want to be a Vulcan about it. I want to enjoy the fun. I want to enjoy the good times. But I don't want the results from one good or bad weekend to have me feeling either unbeatable or beaten. I want to remain focused on the long run and the fact that I know from experience that in the long run, I do okay. I make money and I get lots of free stuff, comps, and gifts. That said, I know many people who gamble almost every day. They live close to a casino. Their work and family schedule allows them to spend a few hours most days in the casino. For them, a month may not be the correct focus. They may want to gamble a week at a time instead of a month at a time. Other people may only get to a casino once or twice a month. And for an afternoon, not overnight. For that gambler, gambling a quarter, which is to say three months at a time, might make more sense. Honestly, Looking at things a year at a time may make the most sense for someone who only gambles that often. They still need to follow casino wisdom number seven and be accountable to someone or something, but keeping a notebook of the 12 to 24 times they gamble a year and then creating the spreadsheet at the end of the year could make a lot of sense. The point I'm trying to make here is that 
just because a month at a time works best for me and is how I structure the core concepts in the podcast, it may not be per a perfect fit for everyone. The important thing is to understand the reasons for this particular core concept. Once you do, you can tailor the time frame to your particular situation. It's not, you must gamble a month at a time. It's, you must have a big picture perspective on your gambling that fits how much gambling you do over a period of time. I don't think it can be a single machine, a single table, or even a single day. But it can be other periods of time. It could be a week, it could be a quarter, it could be a year for you, depending on how frequently you gamble. So that's the point of this core concept. Gambling reviewed over time to get rid of the emotion of, I just lost, I just won! to take those highs and lows out and take a more methodical, business-like approach to your results. All right, I'm pretty sure the next thing we need to do is light the fires and squeal the tires so we can start the travel segment. All right, all right, new week, same city. My friend the artiste and his wife Sandra D were in town for one more day with a late night flight out of town. We had a late lunch reservation slash early dinner reservation at Hell's Kitchen, so I settled in to start things off at a video poker bar at Caesars Palace to watch some NFL football before meeting them for that reservation. From my point of view, the equation is this. A basic drink at this bar while watching football was basically $20 once you, once you included the tip. So as long as I could lose less than that per comped drink playing video poker, while watching football, I considered it a win and a fun way to watch football. And there was the potential added in to catch a royal flush and, and actually win some real meaningful money. I didn't hit a royal flush. I basically paid for the comp drinks playing video poker, which is, as I said, that's a win. It's a fair trade. I'll take that. I mean, I could have been sitting in a sports bar at home just paying for the drinks. Um, we went, to, we went to, to dinner at Hell's Kitchen. The food and service at Hell's Kitchen were excellent as always. The artiste and Sandra D wanted to gamble their way out of town. So we spent the rest of the evening until they had to leave at the Mirage playing blackjack and craps. Then I spent some time playing blackjack with Pear Square Doug to wrap up the evening. The next day, Monday, was my last day in, in Las Vegas. I had an early flight out on Tuesday morning. I went into the day up about a day's pay for the trip and for the month. Table limits all over the Strip were way up. In fact, one of the things I made notes about was how much the gambling on the Strip had changed since Mrs. TIG and I were there in the spring. In the spring, 3-2 Blackjack could be found fairly easily with $15 minimums and could always be found for $25. Now, even $25 tables are difficult to find. The Strip now has lots of $10 and $15 6-5 tables, some with the added twist of any dealer hand of 22 being a push instead of a dealer bust. So what's going on here? They're cranking up the house advantage. They're t finding ways to take more money out because their profits during the pandemic were horrible, so they're putting the squeeze on players. The reality is that to get decent rules at many places on the Strip, the minimum table is up to 50 bucks. Free bet blackjack is everywhere, and we will discuss that game in next week's episode. Another new 
mainstay on the strip, something I've never seen before until this visit, is a full-size crafts table that is all electronic with only one dealer. Also a topic for next episode. So a little foreshadowing there, things that we're going to talk about in the next episode, episode 70. It's amazing to me how quickly they change things in Las Vegas in just a very short period of time. It's a completely different gambling experience, a different set of gambling options, just in the blink of an eye. So Monday morning, I went to the win. I was going to do the tier match and do some gambling, and I discovered that they'd ended their tier match program. But I was there. I did some gambling anyway, just to see what kind of comps they might throw my way in the future. Part of my thought process, with limits pushed up so high everywhere, the normally expensive to gamble at win casino was right in line with everyone else now. And I want to put some perspective on expensive to gamble in. Most places I gamble have table minimums of $100 or $200 in their high limit room. This is true in my region locally. It's true in Atlantic City. It's true in places like Flamingo on the Las Vegas Strip. Harris on the Las Vegas Strip. Well, on this Monday morning, the win had tables on the main floor at both $100 and $500. I never saw the $500 table empty the entire time I was there. I took a peek in the high limit room and quickly retreated. The cheap tables in the high limit room were a thousand a hand. A very expensive place to gamble, a very high end place to hang out, a very beautiful place to hang out. I posted on Instagram, they serve the most amazingly beautifully presented cocktails at the craps tables. And I won a little money playing craps and enjoying that beautiful cocktail and then lost way more than that playing blackjack before retreating to my familiar Caesars Entertainment portion of the strip to finish up my gambling for the visit. Uh, it'd be an understatement to say, to say that things went poorly. Literally, you go through the log, nothing worked. Regrouping didn't work. Meta Martingaling, since table limits were higher, didn't work. At one point in my notes, I wrote, the world stinks. <laughs> uh, last December, I finished a trip to Las Vegas, adding to an already winning trip with more winning. This trip, I started the last day with a small win for the trip and the month, not something that I needed to get super protective of. And despite my best efforts, I didn't have anything to protect. I finished the trip down several days pay for the trip and the month. And maybe multiple days pay is better than several to give you a proper perspective. Okay, sure, I noticed the world stinks at one point, but at the airport, looking over the results, I also noted not winning the day doesn't mean not winning the month. You can have a losing day and still win the month. And I made that note to myself about three lines under the note that said the world stinks. <laughs> it stunk in the moment. Once again, let's not get too high or too low about these things. We talked about that in the core concepts. It's an important perspective to have. One that I reminded myself of just a short time after writing the world stinks in my notes. One last thing before we officially leave Las Vegas for this trip and get back to the real world. I mentioned several episodes back that casinos have started printing out tickets for the change portion of a slot machine win when you use the bill breaking machines to get your money. And then a lot of people don't wait for the ticket, don't know about the ticket, or don't care enough to take the ticket to the cage to get a small amount of change. I collected them all week, cashed them in when I went to the cage at each casino. I made notes to see if it was really worth my time or I was just fooling myself. And obviously your mileage may vary. You may decide it wasn't worth your time. 
But over the course of my Vegas trip, I cashed out well over $20 of other people's change slips that I picked up as I went through my normal casino process in various casinos. That's the cab ride to the airport paid for with other people's winnings that the casino would have kept as a profit otherwise. Not a big deal. I can pay for my own cabs, but why let the casino keep the money when I can pay for my cabs? That just seems better to me. Okay, uh, <laughs> I... I misled you. One more, one more thing about the Las Vegas trip. Before I took the trip, we talked about plans and goals for trips like this. One of mine was to reach diamond status in the Caesars reward system, which is their third tier, the tier where good stuff starts. I did that easily and have a chance at reaching diamond plus their next tier with an end of year trip currently planned for another Caesars entertainment location. Even if I don't, at diamond level, I won't pay resort fees next year. That will save us hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. The other thing I was interested in seeing is how my MGM play would affect my point status with them, my tier status with them, my ability to earn their third tier consistently year in, year out with limited access to their properties. I did a lot of gambling at MGM properties. I stayed at one for a few nights. That was the brand that uh, the Artiste and Sandra D were interested in pursuing and I doubled my points. I went from 20,000 to over 40,000 points with the MGM brand in the gambling I did with them. So that gave me a good sense of how their reward system really works in longer visits, something I never really examined in any detail in the past. Okay, um, yeah, good, good outcomes from the trip in the big picture, right? Just to kind of Put a bow, the one more, one more, one more last thing. And I'm way off script here, folks. I'm rambling for sure. This was a great Vegas trip, right? I took this trip not so I could gamble in Las Vegas, but because my friend asked me to come surprise my very good friend, her husband. That was the reason I was in Las Vegas. I'd, I'd have been in Cancun if she invited me to Cancun. I'd have been in Nashville if she'd invited me to Nashville. This is where she asked me to meet them and surprise him. That's what I did. And since I was going... I had other things I wanted to try to accomplish, podcast for this, uh, content for this podcast, points in the Caesar system that are important to my long-term success as a casino gambler, breaking things up a little bit, and, 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 and juicing up my MGM comps. From that point of view, yes, I left with less money than I walked in with, and that's never fun. But from the big picture sense of things, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, I've told you the, the, the real results, but from the big picture things, I'm, I'm really happy with the trip. I had a great time. I've got good memories with my friends. I ate great meals in some of my favorite restaurants. Uh, I did all things I like in Vegas. I just had a losing day, but it was a fun trip, and I don't want to leave the impression it was not a fun trip. All right, enough Vegas. For now, at least, I'll be back there. You'll hear about more Vegas, I'm sure. But back home, I did some of my real job. And by the last couple days of the week, I was back at my local casino to pick up a gift card for a local grocery store and some free play and a parking comp. I spent some time gambling with Super Smart Sue, which was which was interesting. I've seen her a few times. I've said hello to her a few times. But we were under masks 
I didn't think she knew who I was. And it was interesting because I've changed so much during the pandemic that she didn't recognize me sitting right beside her until she heard my voice. And she, and she was like, if you hadn't said a word, I wouldn't have recognized you. What happened to you? <laughs> As I told you, I cut my hair and changed my name. We had a nice session. We had a nice time gambling together, getting reacquainted. At one point, I had sevens split four times and doubled once and won all five wagers. I finished the visit up over a day's pay. Later in the week, uh, I stopped at the horse track with the slot machine for lunch, free play, and free bakeware for my son's Airbnb. The following day was free chocolate day in honor of Sweetest Day at my local casino. And I had more free slot play and a free table bet and a parking comp. So I picked up the chocolates for Mrs. TRG, hung out with Gabriel a little bit, Yes, I told Mrs. TRG the chocolates were free. I didn't leave her the impression that I had shopped. I got off to a good start gambling at a blackjack table with my free bet, but another player kept complaining about everything, telling everyone who entered the table how horrible the table was. At one point, he looks at me and he goes, what, what should I do with this? And I told him what Wizard of Odds recommended, and he gets all arrogant and obnoxious, and he says, and look, I'm saying arrogant and obnoxious, so you know he was over the top. If I'm saying that, he's like, math and numbers, those guys guys at Wizard of Oz, they're full of crap. Look, a few more hands of that, and I just decided to remove myself from a negative gambling environment. Just wasn't going to put up with it, even though I was winning. So I took a small win. Gabriel was playing craps, and I had a new strategy. Not new, new to me. Ancient strategy. But I wanted to try it out on a real craps table. I just wasn't going to sit and listen to someone complain and tell me the Wizard of Odds don't know how to gamble well. And it worked out fine. In the end, I left the building with not only the candy for Mrs. TRG, but a very nice win at the craps table as well. This is the point I was making earlier when we talked about core concepts. It's results over a period of time that matter, not results over the short run. If I had taken my results for Monday and focused on them and felt beaten and beaten down, I'd have been miserable. I probably wouldn't even have done any additional gambling when I returned home. I would have been saying, oh, after you lost all that money, you better get to work, TRG. You better get busy and make some money. Instead, those Monday losses were just data in the spreadsheet. I went about my normal routine, and when my customers didn't need me, I went to the casino and added more data to the spreadsheet, and this time it was positive data. But the key is that, to just treat it as data as well. Not to get all fired up because now you're winning and then before you were losing. Level it out. Keep the data. Focus on the core concepts. My time frame is a month. The key is to play to the time frame you are using. At the end of the week, I was down about a day's pay for the month. So from Monday to Saturday, down many days pay to down one day's pay. So let's see how the next week, last week, went and keep that time frame in mind, okay? I started the week at my local casino picking up salad bowls for my son's Airbnb as well as a free bet and a parking comp. I ended up playing four craps tables, six blackjack tables, and two slot machines to finish a long visit up about a day's pay. So we're kind of close to equal now, right? We're kind of close to zero and we just got free stuff. Later in the week, I did the free lunch, free slot play, free lottery ticket thing at the horse track before making my way to my local casino for a parking comp and a gro grocery store gift card. The place was crazy busy because there was an NFL game happening in a few hours. I gotta tell you, wonderful thing happened. Just 
This was just wonderful. I'm walking past a craps table that the dealers are just in the process of opening. And a young dealer, someone I've never met, someone I don't know, calls out to me, hey, are you TRG? And I stopped and I said, did you say am I TRG? And, and she said, I did. Are you TRG? And I said, yes. Are you a listener? She said she'd listened to about 10 episodes, that she hops around to topics that interest her. She really liked the episode with my origin story and the one where Mrs. TRG and I broke the blackjack game at Casino Royale in Vegas. She shared that she felt I'd really improved over time, and she's very right. In hindsight, and I think this happens to anything that's creative. I mean, I've often heard on TV that the pilot's the worst episode. But yeah, in hindsight, those first episodes are rough. I I appreciate any and all of you that suffered through them and stuck with me. I really do. And it was wonderful to hear her know those stories too. To know that those stories are outside my family and out in the world is is a really cool and wonderful thing. It really is. So because of the football game, seats at tables were really tough to get. It was a really full building. And I commented to Gabriel at the time, I should have realized there was a football game and just skipped the grocery gift card. I really should have. I took a couple of small losses and ended up Meta Martingaling with TRG Wagering System 3, by the way. Uh, that's what Meta Martingaling is. I've talked about it a variety of episodes. But because I was Meta Martingaling, I ended up in the high limit room to find a table easily and some peace and quiet. And as I said, losses at previous tables. So I'm, I'm trying to get to a win and get out and or at least get even and get out. And uh, I did a lot of regrouping. Uh, a lot of ending shoes up two, three units in the win stack and down two units in the play stack and regrouping to try to stay in the game. And that's what those systems and techniques are supposed to do. They're supposed to do exactly what they did. I caught a good run of hands at the start of a new shoe with a new dealer and left the casino up several days pay instead of down. Mrs. TRG and I finished the week with two nights comped at Casino One, two hours south and east of our home. On Friday night, we settled in at the official high-limit $25 table on the main floor. We'd learned on a previous visit that if Mrs. TRG played a little above her comfort zone at this specific $25 table, instead of us trying to find two seats together at a $15 table, they would comp the drinks because they considered it the high limit table because the high limit room wasn't open. So instead of the drinks costing us money, the drinks are comped. Mrs. TRG plays a little above where she'd like to, to play. And we knew we were locked in. Our gambling for the night was going to be this one table. We regrouped. We took breaks and rebought. We finished the evening admittedly a little overserved, but that was fine. We just had to go to our hotel room and with a small profit for the evening. The next day, We each picked up some free bets after brunch, as well as some free slot play. Sadly, the blackjack with the match bets was horrible. Mrs. TRG got smacked hard by a Fortune 88 machine that just never, never, never triggered anything. She could not get that pop to pot. (laughs) Pop to pop. (laughs) Uh... The, the gambling in the morning was so bad that Mrs. TRG spent some time in the hot tub and I took a nap. And then I did some additional gambling at both craps table and multiple blackjack tables while she took a nap. Bottom line, some of that big high limit room win at my local casino got transferred to Casino One. Once again, perspective. Not focusing on the table or the day, right? I didn't go into Casino One 
going, yeah, who cares about Vegas? Vegas doesn't matter because I won big two days ago. No, I came in the same as I came into Casino 1 the last time we visited with a similar game plan. But they got Casino 1 on that morning, on that Saturday morning, got a big chunk of the win I had uh, two days earlier at my local casino. It went fine. After dinner, we managed to claw back some of our losses at three different blackjack tables. And we did that because now the high limit room was open and the free drinks would have required us to play $100 hands. And that's not something Mrs. TRG is generally ever comfortable with. We finished the evening with drinks at the video poker bar rather than risk what we had won. And as we're sitting there enjoying a couple drinks and I'm just kind of fiddling with the video poker... I caught four of a kind for a nice win at the video poker machine. We picked up some additional match bets on Sunday morning. We won some money. I'm just going to throw the Sunday morning in here because it was just a little bit of gambling. No reason to hold that over. You've heard about two weeks. What's two weeks in one day? But we won some additional money playing blackjack. Had a mimosa ministry since we weren't going to make it to church. And left the building up uh, just a little over two days pay for the week. And it was a roller coaster ride, but that's kind of the point. It's not a roller coaster ride in the emotional sense because we've taken that part out. So over a two-week span, I had a day of constantly losing, when a series of night, then a series of nice wins when I got back home, then some long grinding sessions locally, then wins and losses, more wins on a nice trip with my wife to finish up for the two weeks with plenty of comps and gifts to show for it. Casino Wisdom number seven teaches us to be accountable to someone or something. My primary something is an app that tracks everything. That accountability provides perspective over time on what is really happening with our gambling. The negative emotion goes out of getting wrecked on an entire day on the Las Vegas trip. The positive emotion is evened out when I have a big win in the high limit room. Being accountable provides perspective that lets me gamble for the month, not the table, the machine, or the day. There's still one week in the month. We're winning at the moment. We'll see how the week goes. Obviously, no promises. Next week, when you know, no promises but this, actually. When we hang out next week in the virtual VIP lounge, we will all find out if it was a winning or a losing month. This week in the virtual VIP lounge. But this week in the virtual VIP lounge, let's hang out just a little bit more. I have a fun little story about breaking the rules at Casino One. So let's have some sips and share that story next. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the most must-listen-to segment in podcasting. Our virtual VIP lounge is open. Help yourself to a virtual handcrafted artisanal pop or locally bottled soda. Or we have the best virtual wine selection you will find virtually anywhere, along with all the best virtual spirits and IPAs. I was lucky enough recently in the real world to find a real bottle of Crown Royal Peach. Those bottles fly off the shelves here when they're available. I've held off opening it until now, until a special occasion, and this is a special occasion. And I poured a a little bit for myself to enjoy as I share this story with you. Feel free to press pause and pour something for yourself to enjoy with me because VIP lounges are the best place to share casino stories. Years ago... I was at Casino One playing blackjack in the high limit room with a trio of interesting older gentlemen that I'd played with on a number of occasions there. They were fun guys, good players. They always played as a team, meaning they shared their wins and their losses at the end of the night and over the course of their session. They had a complex system of keeping track of who owed what to whom. One member of the team would buy in for more chips and then tell the other players that they owed him more or he owed them less. 
It seemed to work out fine for them, and they understood it, but I played with them on a number of occasions, and I could never understand how that process worked for them. Regardless, one evening, the three of us were, were playing in the high limit room. We had the room all to ourselves, just us at a table, a pit boss, a bartender, and a few dealers, most standing at empty tables with their arms crossed. So we're gambling for a while and enjoying our drinks, and as we as the shoe finishes up and the dealer breaks the cards down, he calls out, which is a common casino call, he calls out shuffling, and that's a very casino combat way to say that, you know, no G at the end. And he did that to notify the pit boss that he was going to shuffle the cards. And I guess I should have said, go in to shuffle the cards, not go in. Sorry about that. Faux pas. My bad. Um, I've mentioned in past episodes that there are rules in casinos. And then sometimes there are rules that can be broken in certain situations by certain people. And this was one of those cases. A common rule in almost all... All casinos is that you cannot have anything other than chips, players' cards, money, and drinks on the table. Purses, phones, free blenders can't be on the table. In particular, electronic devices like cell phones and tablets are verboten, particularly at a blackjack table, because they could be used to count cards or receive signals from a card counter. By the way, very, very, very illegal Using a device to cheat will land you in jail. Do not even think about doing that. Anyway, on this particular evening, we discovered that this whole rule about cell phones was a rule that could sometimes be broken in the right situation by casino regulars in the high limit room. At the time of this story, a song by LMFAO called Party Rock Anthem was very, very popular. Popular enough that even old dudes like us knew the song. If you're not familiar, Party Rock Anthem includes the lyrics, Every day I'm shuffling, as part of the chorus. And this is done, as I understand it, to encourage listeners to do a dance called the shuffle. Not a big dancer, folks. Mrs. TRG, very good dancer. Loves to dance. Me, not so much. Anyway, as the dealer says, shuffling to notify the pit boss that the cards are going to be hand shuffled and return to the shoe to resume play. With time on our hands, one of the gentlemen at the table pulls out his phone, presses play on Party Rock Anthem, drops it on the table, and stands up. The pit boss comes rushing over, the same pit boss that once appointed me deputy pit boss for about 20 minutes. She comes charging over and says, what is that cell phone doing on a table in my pit? We are not going to have... As she's saying that without missing a beat, the owner of the phone says, every day he's shuffling, and starts dancing. The pit boss laughs and starts dancing. Myself and the other players stand up and start dancing. The dealer stops shuffling the cards and starts dancing. The other dealers start dancing. The bartender dances over to the table to hand out more drinks to everybody without us ordering them. We all had a dance party right there at the blackjack table until the song was over. And then the cards were shuffled and we went back to our game. Ironically, this was the same table And I've told you this story. This is the exact same table in the exact same room where I was once served dinner at the insistence of a high roller's wife who didn't want to eat alone, which is also breaking the rules. It also stands as an example of casino rules that get broken for the right guests at the right time. And it's kind of amazing that these stories are often stories that took place in Casino One and often occurred in the high limit room. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Remember your wisdoms, folks. Don't tip away your wins. 
I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing some time of your time with me.